Everyday Motherhood, the podcast that inspires you to pause, connect, and play more every single day. The podcast that's focused on you, the mom, to help you fill up your cup and rediscover the joy and love in your everyday life. We can't parent alone, and parenting is too serious to be serious all the time. Thanks for being here. My name is Christy Thomas. I am the founder and developer of PlayForLifeMoms.com. Let's jump in. I have one tiny bit of business before we start today's interview with Lindsay Powers. I wanna invite you to join the new Facebook group called the Everyday Motherhood Podcast Fans. We're gonna carry on the conversation afterwards. We can ask questions and I'll go live in there and it will be just a safe, cozy place. I can't wait to see you there. This is Everyday Motherhood and this is Christy and um, we are in a crazy time right now, but I am so honored and excited to have Lindsay Powers here. She just wrote a brand new book called You Can't F Up Your Kids. And she's the founder of the No Shame Parenting Movement. Lindsay, can you say hi to everyone? Hi, Christy. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, I appreciate it. And as you know, warning to all your listeners, as you've seen, I my kids are yeah. in and out. They're all over the place. <laughs> so at one point, you know, my, my four-year-old or six-year-old may just make an appearance. Yeah, well, my podcasting studio faces a window that are that's on our deck, and I told my kids they can like hold up a sign if they're doing blood, guts, or uh, vomit if they need help. So <laughs> that's brilliant. Um, I, I wish that I could I could do that with my kids. My your kids are a little bit younger. That's the the, the <laughs> one that's just he's just about four. He he's uh-huh. kind of my wild card. But then you know it could be worse because I have friends with toddlers right now babies right now yep. like at least my three almost four-year-old i can park him in front of a television he's like all right live in my best life uh so i can get him exactly he's like hashtag unlimited screens let's go totally and i am completely a believer in unlimited screens when it comes to what's happening right now in our world because it's so crazy out there this is not normal this is not one of those times where we need to be like, hey, there's screen time rules. Let's follow them to the T. No, toss them out the window. I mean, I'm loose on screen time most times because, as you mentioned, I wrote this book, You Can't F Up Your Kids. I've been yes. a journalist for 15 years. I've spoken to a ton of experts for this book. And I know that everything in parenting is fine in moderation. Screen time, yep. we're going to tilt a little past moderation now and just really lean into it. Well, you know, I was talking to another expert about it earlier this week, and he said screens are perfect for this time of geographic isolation anyways. Like our kids need a place to go be without adults and screens are where, especially my 13 year old and 12 year old and seven year old who are online playing with kids we know, like this is their only way to do that. It's amazing, right? In a world where we are socially isolated on purpose, we're socially distanced uh-huh. on, pur- on purpose <laughs> right now for our mental health, for our kids' sense of normalcy, we need to have them connect and we can't host playdates in our house. So why not get them on, on some screens where they can connect? I mean, my son's in first grade, my six-year-old, and he and his friends have been doing daily Zoom playdates. It's the cutest thing ever. There's 12 kids just trying to talk over Aww. each other, change their backgrounds, and they love it. And they last, my son lasts maybe 10 minutes, uh, but it's just yeah. enough, I think, to, to restore a sense of normalcy in a time that feels not normal. 
Yeah, totally. So yeah, my seven-year-old played Battleship with a friend today over FaceTime, where they both got out their Battleship boards at home. That's brilliant. And played. I was like, oh, this is really, really good. I'm so thankful for technology right now. Well, and I think that, you know, when the guidelines were, were written for screen time, and yes, they have changed a lot. I actually interviewed the pediatrician who co-wrote the American Academy of Pediatrics guidelines in my book. And awesome. she has, she said, look, technology has changed. This is not just kids watching a TV and zoning out forever, which if they do that a little bit is fine as well. But as you've said, mm -hmm. you know, your son's playing Battleship. My, fr my son is using screens to connect with his friends. Um, mm -hmm. they're, they're being read to. They're, they're doing the doodles with Mo Will Willems. There are right. these really interactive experiences that can be extremely helpful, learning, um, de developmentally beneficial for our children happening across screens. Right. I don't know if you've caught the um, Cincinnati Zoo home safaris at all. No, not yet. But, it's on my list. Okay. So we've watched them on replay, but like in their thread of it, they've challenged everyone to draw the animal of the day. Right. And so all these kids and adults, right, that are also socially distanced um, have to, like, they're all making art that it's amazing. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, too. I mean, we have to look at all the different ways that kids learn. And the, the only way to learn is not through math worksheets and rote learning excerpt, you know, rote uh, memorization skills. No, it's no, idea, not at all. Said, you watch, you go to the zoo safari, you draw the penguins after, maybe you write a story about what the penguin mm -hmm. did. You talk about it with your kids to reinforce them. I mean, that is a super amazing learning experience with the benefit of it being one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two or one-on-three, depending yep. on how many children you have, as opposed to being in a classroom with 25 classmates. Yeah. So what are screen time rules going to look like at your house right now during this distancing? I feel like rules is a good <laughs> word to use for screen it time. It is. My house, we, when, when my kids' schools closed, we got a big piece of butcher paper up and made this real cute schedule, and then we promptly ignored it um, and threw it out the window. <laughs> but right now, we're being really loose. The fact of the matter yep. is I'm working full-time. My husband's working full time. We have a near four-year-old and a six-year-old. There are literally not enough hours in the day for us nope. to do all of the things. So we mix it up. We don't hand our kids a tablet at eight in the morning and remove it back at 6 p.m. But <laughs> in our, our daily routine, our loose daily routine, there is a movie yep. that my kids every single day and we vote on it together as a family. We take turns. So the kids have a democracy. little negotiation, democracy. <laughs> uh, and we plan our movie around, there's a time when my husband and I both have conference calls. So that's when they watch their movie. Uh, Makes sense. tablet time on our schedule. Yep. When, typically when I'm cooking dinner. Um, but before mm -hmm. that, we clean up. So there's, I guess we can right. call that sensory activities or. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, we, we will do Zoom time with friends. We typically do at least one Zoom play date a day, which yeah. could be 10 minutes or an hour. Um, right. It's so screen time is really loose right now, but I do mix it up with various different kinds of screen time. And I do make them draw and color and play in between. And when I have them draw and color and play in between, I don't tell them how to do it. And they will like bug me a little bit like, but I need an activity. And I'm like, here's your crayons, go. And they, <laughs> they have gotten the hang of it. So 
yeah. leaning into screens and we're leaning into um, creating a little bit of boredom for them. And it's, it's yeah. been beneficial. Those are both things that parents are uncomfortable with. Yeah. Both screens and boredom. Right. right? Like we are uncomfortable letting our kids be bored because we're so used to being go, go, go with our schedules. Yeah. So well, we this is a this... big gift for both of us. I agree. I mean, we live in this culture that celebrates productivity. We feel judged as parents if we have not scheduled every single minute of our kids' days with these over-the-top expensive activities. Like, I looked at this gymnastics program for my, my kid who's not yet four. He's in preschool. And it was, first mm -hmm. of all, over $800. And it started at 12 months. And it was about, uh, they were teaching kids, like, sensory um, navigation on miniature versions of Olympic equipment. And I was like, dude, <laughs> dude, like, my kid does not need this. So that pressure exists. The marketing is so strong. I just, I just can't. So I, I feel like in there, you know, right. There's nothing good about being quarantined in a house with your children right. and trying to do it all. But maybe the silver no. lining is going to be a little bit of a return to sanity of the expectations of parents, because I'm not the only one who logs on Instagram and says, what the heck is going on with all of these over the top schedules. And I think a lot of parents and a lot of people in general have been really open and having a really honest conversation about the expectations of parenthood today. And I think those conversations are so important because words are powerful and conversations change culture and culture changes policy. And what we need right now is more help for parents, you know, world global pandemic or not. Yep. I think that all the school shutdowns and all the childcare shutdowns, um, it's not an educational crisis by any means. It's truly just a childcare crisis and a crisis of feeding kids that might not have food. Right. I think there's, you know, people put so much effort into these hours per day that kids are in a school, but really you have to think of their life as like a potpourri of experiences. I mean, they may mm -hmm. be in school from eight to three or eight to five. Look, my kids do an after school program. Um, but then you know, right. They have interactions with you, with their parents, with their caregivers, with other adults. Um, and as you've said, there's so many more important things to keep in mind. Like, I also think it's important that if, if our uh, biggest concern right now is, oh, my kids are watching too much screens, then maybe we need to check our privilege in the sense that, you know, we're not worrying about food and yeah, all these other things. This was literally a text conversation I had with a dear friend as we counted up all the screens in our house. Yeah. And realized, you know, in our county, we know that not everyone even has the tablet they need or laptop they need to try to access the Google Classroom that the public school is putting out right now. Right. Yeah. My, like, you know, my son goes to New York City public schools, which of the 1.1 million students, 750,000 of them live in poverty. So this yep. is this is a crazy experience and it's going to impact families in a lot of different ways. And look, I don't want to downplay the very real issues that families are having. Like just because you're absolutely you're food secure, like this is stressful, you know, like this hard is hard, no matter hard. what your level of heart is. Yes, I agree. So I think that also kind of goes back to the main theme in my book. You can't F up your kids that we all mm -hmm. need to be a little kinder to ourselves. I think parents, are getting it from all sides now, right? We are under so much yes. pressure. We work outside of the home. We're under so much pressure to um, to still deliver on those responsibilities while juggling our kids. If we 
um, are only working inside the home. Well, you know, same. Our resources are still gone and different. We don't have as many playgroups, yep. outdoor playground experiences. So no matter what, all of our routines are screwed up. And, you know, it's not going to be quote unquote perfect, but there's no such thing as perfect. No, your book did a really good job with that. I have pre-ordered it for my sister-in-law that has a baby on April 19th too. And um, I was telling my brother, I was like, you guys have to read this together and like talk about it (laughs) because it's going to blow your mind. My kids are older. um, And so the beginning chapters about like C-section and bottle feeding, I lived all of that. Um, You can palpably feel it. I used to teach stroller fitness classes and you could feel the division between the different types of parents. I was in California, so it was very obvious at that point, like, oh, these are the cloth diaper moms. Oh my gosh. And these are, <laughs> you could feel it. Yeah. I, you... And so it was so good to have all the information. Oh, thank you so in your much. Book. Well, the fun part about writing this book, because I, you know, books take a couple of years to write. So I was writing it when my kids were really in that phase you know I had just yeah breastfeeding but then I was dealing with the stress of people kind of being judgmental from both sides right I wasn't mm-hmm. breastfeeding long enough or I was breastfeeding for too long and it was like wow <laughs> you can't you know, win you really can't win but now as my kids are getting older I'm seeing so many other issues and I'm like I'm ready for the next one give me this opportunity as a journalist um it's, yep. it's really awesome to be able to call up the experts and be able to truly explore or to instead of reading all these scary headlines to say you know what I'm going to order the study because I've been covering science and health for more than a decade and I'm going to read I'm going to dig into all the data so you will never have to and really see what it's saying and then I would call up the study writer and be like tell me about this uh, you know <laughs> and no surprise it's when you talk to the the, the people who are conducting this research mm-hmm. they say there's so much nuance and so many shades of gray which we as parents know right the woman who wrote the screen yep. time guidelines, her kids watch YouTube. The woman who did the study that turned <laughs> into the you shouldn't drink while pregnant was like, well, just a little <laughs> drinking is fine. Um, <laughs> you know, so much research is not conducted on actual kids because you cannot ethically you experiment on children. Which, is so. <laughs> which parent is going to raise their hand? <laughs> right. Yes. I will volunteer my child to be in the plain Minecraft 10 hours a day group and see how their brain <laughs> turns out in five years so yep yeah yeah well as a homeschooler I joke all the time with my kids that they're part of a living science experiment because (laughs) you know every year we craft a new curriculum from scratch and I'm like huh I wonder how this is going to turn out you'll have to tell me at 30 how much (laughs) how much this worked or not like I, but you seem to have a really healthy attitude. And I I will say, because the title of my book is very in your face, very provocative, right? You can't yes. F up your kids. You can't fuck up your kids, however you want to yeah. say it. Yeah, either one. Um, <laughs> it, you know, I've gotten some DMs from parents online. They were like, whoa, whoa, you can screw up your kids. And I'm like, yes, I have a one-pager Absolutely. in my book that says, if you are you do. Abusing, You've got the five. neglecting, starving, uh, you know, and a handful of other things. This is, I mean, Mm -hmm. very serious things. That's bad for your kids. But you are not, quote unquote, effing up your kids if they're watching a couple extra episodes of Paw Patrol because you've had a really tough day and you need to unwind or get dinner on the table or any number of things. On the flip side, I want to say, like, being able to do that and not feel guilty probably makes you a better parent for later in the evening. Oh, totally. Right? 
Yeah, because there's so right. many things like it's it's um, you know cortisol, which is the hormone released with stress, has so many mm-hmm. negative bodily health impacts according mm-hmm. to research. So if you are stressed out all the time, you could have inflammation. You could have you know it's may, might not be good for your body. Also, kids don't want a crazy stressed out parent. Not saying you need to Pollyanna and act like things are good all the time. I actually Correct. think it's super important to be honest. Um, and to say like today was a rough day or, um, to show human emotion because yep. I think that gives children, uh, the opportunity yeah, to permission, feel, yeah, permission to experience yeah. human emotion. Um, mm-hmm. but so I think we just have to find that balance. Yeah. We keep saying right now with the high stress, right? My 13 year old's black belt test has been postponed indefinitely right now. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you know, you have to feel these feelings like, right. We have to just feel the feelings. I think that's And then so we can process it together. But all of us have something that we're grieving right now right. Um, that we can't do. Right. And I think, and I, that's why I think it's so important to show our kids that we are not perfect. We have human emotions. Here's how we deal with them. Here's how we continue to function with them. Here's how we move mm-hmm. past them. Kind of this idea of resilience, which when you ask parents, what is the number one trait you want to instill in your children? It's almost always resilience. And yep. great. It's like well, real life. This is it. It's a real opportunity to, right, to, to show that. So, you know, on the flip side, if you're at home crying all day, every day, because you're freaked yeah. out about all the very scary things that are happening in the world, like maybe also take a step back. Let's swing that pendulum right back to the middle into moderation. Um, you know, and this is a great time. Like there are if you need talk therapy or text therapy, there are so many resources in that moment. For right now, in this moment, right? Right, yeah, there's apps like BetterHelp, Talkspace. I know some companies are offering tele-therapy uh, services. So mm-hmm. Definitely, if you have um, a job that offers insurance, call your insurance yep. company and see what resources are available. Um, journaling is something that costs $0 and is sometimes Very extremely true. helpful to just get your ideas out on a piece of paper. Um, Self-care, I think, is a great thing. Not, again, when it costs a ton of money. Self-care to me is buying a book, getting in a bathtub, watching an episode of Love is Blind or whatever, insert terrible TV show. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) So don't feel like, you know, you need to spend a ton of money on activities to unwind. And not a ton of time. So you have the hashtag... No shame parenting movement. Mm-hmm. I have a very tiny movement called hashtag 60 second self care. I love that. Where every day I post in my stories a really tiny idea because I'm used to, as a military spouse, having my kids around me mm-hmm. all the time without backup in these high stress situations right. um, where I'm worried about stuff. So I started 60 second self care to show that self care isn't just, you know, going to the spa, it can be something with your kids around you in the chaos. Yeah, so I love that. I think that's so smart and that there's way too much like marketing. It's been co-opted <laughs> by marketing, this idea of self-care. Oh yeah, it it's, it's another, totally. Yeah, it becomes another thing on our to-do list, which feels really long. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be. Yeah. I mean, we need self-care and self-care needs to not be a shower. Agreed. Um, not personal hygiene. Self-care <laughs> can't be personal hygiene. I agree. That's, that's a basic <laughs> need. So let's not, yes, let's not consider a shower self-care. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I think we've talked about a lot of things that are going to help. I have one more topic 
to talk about with you. Um, food. So all of us have seen the, the empty grocery stores and we know that we've bought snack foods. I stocked up on Easter candy for fear that I might not have a chance of getting Easter candy again. Um, so how can, can we mess up kids with food right now? No, we can't mess up with kids with food anytime, but now or after this happens. You know, when you actually look at the research, what's so much more important than what your children is eating is the routine of sharing a meal together. And it doesn't have to be family dinner. It can be a family snack. It can be a family uh, board game where there's not even food involved because families are busy, especially if you have older kids Absolutely. right now. It's, it might be hard oh, to yes. get everybody <laughs> at the table. And it doesn't have to be every single night with every single member of the family present for it to count. I mean, you, you said you have okay. a military family. Your husband Absolutely. is unavailable and gone you can yep. still have um you can still reap the benefits by having a snack with your kids or a meal with your kids a couple nights a week um that said obviously we have to con continue to feed our children basic needs absolutely um, but i think you have to step back and instead of looking at every single meal as that's it you have to look at your overall goals for food mine mm -hmm. is to raise kids who have a relatively healthy attitude about food um don't have mm -hmm. a lot of the food hangups that quite frankly I grew up with um and I think a lot of girls especially grew oh up with. yes um, yep you know I have boys but um I I just I I just think it's really important to um to have kind of adventurous little eaters and if I won't let them leave the table until they eat every single bite of their broccoli they're gonna have a hang up about broccoli maybe all food in general and yeah okay maybe I got one bite in one dinner but they won't eat broccoli for the next <laughs> 10 years so I'm yep. a big believer in keeping it chill keeping it moderation, you know, everything in moderation. I don't call foods good and bad. I think we should be careful not to at this point, because if we're like, oh, we're being bad, we only have cupcakes in the house. Well, you know, our, our kids can't. That's such a dangerous path to go on. Yeah, I have, a, you know, I, so my older two are both girls, 13 and 12. And I just look around and I'm like, the stats are that one of our dear friends will have an eating disorder if it's not one of my own girls. And it's, it's, it's ice for me right right now. It's, it is. it's like, who's going to fall through? Let's be aware of what we're saying. I completely agree. And by, right, because kids can't tell if we call a food bad, then they say, well, am I bad for eating this? When like, it's right. just a cupcake, it's not good or bad. And even at 13, they still don't understand that differentization, like, the cupcake is not healthy, but I'm not bad for eating it. Right. Like, you just have to be a little flexible. Um, you know, a meal that works really well in our house is what we call the snack dinner. It can be like a banana, yes. <laughs> uh, some cheese and crackers, maybe a cup of milk. Uh, because it's called the snack dinner, my kids are obsessed and love it. Sometimes I get totally. bonus points by putting a blanket on my living room floor and calling it the snack picnic dinner. Um, yes. <laughs> I think we just have to be really, um, as long as our kids are eating something and they are yep. fed, we have to be chill. We have to look at the course of the whole week. Many kids self-regulate mm -hmm. over the course of a week. If yep, they eat they do. a lot of carbs on one meal, you may find them eating a ton of protein or fruit at another meal. So let's try yep. not to lose the forest for the trees here. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the trend of charcuterie trays is the snack dinner for tweens. I love that. Like they will happily make a beautiful <laughs> tray for everyone I love for that. us for dinner. I love that. And there's, you know, there's all these different eating philosophies. Um, uh -huh. and we do something called the division of responsibility, 
with oh yep i love that one i am obsessed so the basic premise of division of responsibility is that parents have two roles and kids have two roles and first of all i should say this is was designed by a dietitian named um ellen yep. satter and she's amazing yep um and the parents role is what uh we're having for dinner on the table mm-hmm and what time we're having it. And the kids' mm-hmm. roles is what they want to eat from what's available on the table and how much they want to eat. And you, you put everything just in bowls or a dish on your table. So mm-hmm. you could have a charcuterie board, you could have, you know, like we typically will have like a dish and then I would yeah. normally make like a little fruit bowl to go with it because my I know my kids like fruit. So one of the yep. things is to try to include one of the dishes you make to have something right. your kids like. And right, which fruit, is why, you know. Yeah, I mean like yeah. an apple that I cut up. Like this is not like yeah. a fancy thing of beauty. And then No, it's that themselves. bowl of grapes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. And my kids serve themselves and they can eat as much or as little as they want. I put no pressure. The fact that they feel a little bit of control over it means that they are more experimental. They, they feel less pressure and they eat more in the yep. end. The only downside is sometimes you know, you might get a couple extra plates to wash because you have to like serve everything kind of family style. Way right. worth it because there's no drama and no stress at dinner. I I fully agree with this. Yeah, this is how we roll at our dinners too. Amazing. Yeah, it's how it, so many families- It was one of the biggest tips I picked up. I don't even remember when I learned it, but I was like, oh, I can stop like all arguments. Yeah. If I'm just responsible for my two roles, perfect. So much easier. Oh. It's awesome. I think a lot of families probably naturally did that. And now now we know it has a fancy name, Division of Responsibility. Right. I know. The internet's amazing for teaching us books. Yeah. It's amazing. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) So as you're home with your kids during your very busy launch schedule, we've talked about self-care a little bit. Every episode ends with a self-care task. Do you have an idea for moms that could do self-care at home right now? Yeah. I would say... Um, to end, to take care of yourself, look at what's happening right now as a marathon, not a race and to not feel like, like, I don't want to give moms or any parents right now an extra task on their already schedule. So I would say, (laughs) how about permission to hide in the bathroom for five minutes when you're in round of applause? Yes. And know that, that you won't screw up your kids if, if that happens. In fact, you're teaching them boredom, which has a whole host of benefits. Maybe go yes. and invent the next big thing because they were yeah. forced to play by themselves for five minutes while you took a uh, deep breath break in your bathroom. Yeah, absolutely. And then if you take that deep breath, you're less likely to have to repair because you yelled. So. Exactly. Yeah. See it as a, an investment for all of you. <laughs> an important thing. so how might you uh we always have a play idea too i'm putting you on the spot I love so it. how do you play as a family do you have an idea of how a simple idea to connect like mine right now is that we're hiding a stuffed animal around the house and whoever finds it uh-huh. is moving it so anyone else can find it I and move it that. i'm gonna i'm gonna take your idea i think that's awesome <laughs> um <laughs> Ours is that we have started doing a family meeting every morning for like five or 10 minutes Yeah, where I have also taken a bunch of ideas from my kids' schools that are closed. So we do a family greeting. We sing a little song. We say hello in a couple different ways. We vote together awesome. on the movie we're going to watch. Um, and then at, at dinner every night, we say, what was your favorite part of the day? And the kids all have to Fantastic. Say, say something. 
That's great. I love that idea. I love that you borrowed from what your kids might be missing too from their structure. Yeah, it felt like a little thing, but an important thing. And right Mm -hmm. now there's a lot of pressure to do all these grand gestures, but I think we need to lean into the small things that help bring a semblance of normalcy for our kids. Absolutely. Um, I think that if you can pick a goal that you know you can do 95% of the time right now, like just go for that. I agree. Um, It needs to feel ridiculously easy right now. Yeah, because even what would be quote unquote ridiculously easy is still near impossible for so many families. So I think, you know, we lean into the social skills. We lean into the idea that our kids are learning so much uh, because they're having more one-on-one time with us. Um, and mm-hmm. this is not the time to, to teach long division to our first graders. <laughs> this is the time to no. give kids lots of hugs and lots of cuddles and just do the best we can. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I can't wait for your book to launch into the world. It comes out March 31st, right? March 31st. It will be in stores. You can pre-order it now. There's a great local bookshop in my neighborhood of Brooklyn that is, um, I'm signing all copies that are pre-ordered. It's called Stories Bookshop and Storytelling Lab. Um, but also, of awesome. course, it's on. It's available on Amazon in um, actual okay. book form. And yeah. Excuse me, Otto. This is my, my it's all good. The book form, <laughs> Kindle form, and audiobook form. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to turn off the recording for the podcast. Thank you. So if you know a new parent or a parent with a kid under five, please go check out Lindsay's book. It is amazing. I got stuff from it, even though my kids are 7, 12, and 13. It was a worthwhile read. Let's take a deep breath together. We are in this together. Thank you for spending your time with me. I know that your personal time is even more limited right now. And it matters to me that you took time. I just appreciate you. I started a new Facebook group. I mentioned it at the beginning of the episode, but please come check it out. It's called Everyday Motherhood Podcast Fans. And we're going to continue the conversation there. And remember, there are no perfect moms and there are no perfect kids but you are perfect together. Have an amazing day.